Good morning. <laughs> it's good to be up here again. I can, um, you know, it's great having a break, but get me past four weeks and I'm, I begin wondering who I am and why I exist. So this is helpful for me. I'm remembering who I am this morning. Uh, seriously, Beck and I had a, a great week with our daughter Nikki who lives in Bellingham, Washington. It was fun. Uh, somebody came up and introduced themselves to me, and they said, I went to college in Bellingham. So that was, that was fun. And, I mean, how often do you mention a town and that far away from here, and you meet somebody in the next few minutes who actually lived there? It's less than, a, less than an hour from Canada, so it's way up there. And, and if, I don't know if you've ever been to Washington State in that area, but just beauty is breathtaking. You know, we hear that it you know, rains a lot in Washington State in the Seattle area. Uh, our daughter Nikki said, give us one sunny day and we're good for two weeks. Because it's, uh, I mean, it's so absolutely beautiful in that area. And uh, the time for uh, sermon planning, always good to have the four weeks to do that. And got a little bit longer this year. But it's very, very important to be able to plan what it, what's coming down the pike in the next few months and even looking into next year. Um, Thinking about something very unique next year we've never done before, and we'll, we'll see if I've got the courage to do it. Uh, and also, you know, one of the things I really love, the Sundays I don't preach, is when I, when I am preaching, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit focused. Okay, I don't know if you've ever talked with me on Sundays I'm preaching. I'm, 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 you've kind of got my attention, but not totally, because I'm thinking about it. I'm going to be up preaching the next few minutes. So I love it when I'm not preaching because then I can just run around and talk to as many people as possible between services, you know, after each service. And, and I love it. I love last Sunday, the energy in this place, uh, seeing all the kids with their parents and, and it really just all the friendship that was going on. In fact, at one point I, I stood in the upper lobby and looked down and just watched everything because it just felt so good. It was, it was so much fun for me to see all of you engaging with each other. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a relational kind of guy, and honestly, I cannot imagine life without good friends. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. And, I, you know, I look back at all of my life. Back, I can remember who my, my best friend was in grade school. I can think of my friends in junior high and high school, my friends in college. I had two guys that I, I bummed around in, with in my four years of college. It meant a lot to me. Great friends in in, in my years in seminary and, and, of course, time in Wisconsin and, and of course, the 34 years here. I love friendship. And I, I, I love it for many reasons. I'm guessing the same reasons you do. But I, I would say the number one reason that I'm grateful for, for the very good close friends that I've, that I've had and have in my life today is the impact that they've had on my relationship with God, how much they have really affected my, my own spiritual growth. And I would just tell you, and I don't think, I don't think this is an exaggeration, I, I would be a shadow of what God intends me to be without the good friends who've been a part of my life. They challenged me when I've needed to be challenged to go stronger and deeper in my relationship with Christ. They've, they've spoken truth into me, in a, into who I am. They've helped me see my Yes, my strengths, but also my weaknesses. They've, they've pointed them out to me. Uh, like, for example, one of my close friends I, I, I actually work out with, and I don't know if you've ever been in a gym, but 
uh, you know, you wait a lot sometimes. And one day I, there was like this guy had his arm on a bench and they were talking. And I thought I was just being, you know, real calm and polite. And he said, do you see, you should, you should have seen your eyes when you did that. It's like, get off that bench, will you? You know, that kind of, kind of thing. So I love how friends speak, speak into me, myself personally, all right? Uh, they, they've, they've come alongside me in some of the most difficult times in, in my life. They've given me what I needed to persevere to stay the course in my relationship with God. And I'm guessing that many of you would say the same for yourself. The close friends that you've had in your life who are walking closely with God themselves have had a huge impact on who you are. And because this is true, I'm convinced that the more intentional we are in building strong friendship into our life, the further along we're going to be in our, in our relationship with God and in our own spiritual growth. And so that's what I'm, why I'm talking about what I'm talking about this morning, living in community. And if you ever wondered, you've, you've heard us talk about this a lot, and maybe you wonder, well, what does that exactly mean, living in community? And at its very core, it's this. It's connecting, and every word is important here, connecting in authentic relationships to grow our faith in Christ. And what we're talking about today is really the second of three priorities that are essential for us to be doing as a church. It's one of, the, one of three key reasons that I, I love Brookside. I, I love to be a part of this church that is helping people find and follow Jesus. And so that's what I'm talking about with us today. Now, I've been a pastor for 39 years, 34 of those years here. And I would say in these 39 years of ministry, it has given me enough time to be convinced that God designed us to be in relationship with other people. And it's through living in relationship, in community with other believers, that you and I are best positioned to grow spiritually. I'm, I've had 39 years to see how true this is, and that's why I do absolutely everything I can to convince people to be a part of a small group. And, and I would even say this, okay? It's not only important for us to take care of this for ourselves as adults, it's important for us as parents to help provide that kind of a small group experience for our children. You know, uh, elementary age, uh, middle school, and high school, I think it's absolutely, absolutely critical. I don't know if you realize or not, but small groups have been a, an, a critical part, an essential part of our middle school ministry and our high school ministry for many years now. And now, as, as our children's ministry has looked at this, they, they are recognizing that it's even important for our elementary children. And, 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 and so they're making it an added emphasis for what we're doing for our children from this point on. And so this year, beginning this year, each, each child will have an opportunity to be able to connect with one adult leader each Sunday, the same leader each week, leading the same small group of kids, a leader who knows your child's name, who, who genuinely cares about them and, and knows what's going on in their lives. And so we're talking about someone who can partner with you as parents to invest strategically in the lives of your children 
over time. And so I believe it makes your child's time here on Sunday mornings all that much more important. And I would also say, and Michelle and Beth and Carrie and everybody involved in our children's ministry would say, that's an added important reason for you to come the same time every Sunday so that your child can have the same leader and be in the same small group of kids and build that kind of, of a friendship. I, you know what? Be a parent long enough and you understand how important friendship is in the lives of your children. I mean, without doubt, it is critically important for their own lives. And so what I'm going to say this morning it's not only true for us adults, it's true for every single one of us, whatever age we are, okay, in whatever season in life we are. And so there's three reasons, and I'm going to talk through with you today, that I'm convinced that a person should be a part of a small group. And before I begin, I just, I just want to say this, because I, kind of, I kind of wondered, like, maybe I should have said this first service, so I'm going to, I'm going to say it this service. I think I've got two audiences out here this morning. I got those of you who are convinced. I convinced you years ago to be in a small group, and you've been in a small group for years, and so you might just be thinking, I don't think I need this sermon today. You know, I, I'm convinced. You know what, what I'd like you to do? Use what I'm going to say to convince other people that you know who are not in a small group to get in one, all right? So you be convincers with me. Then there's some others of you, I think, out, this out here this morning who are not convinced, all right? And you're sitting out here right now, and, you, yeah, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, no, Steve's going to talk about this again today. He has not been able to convince me yet. I wish I would have stayed home. So what I'm going to do today, what I'm, what I'm going to say right now is I'm going to do my best to try to convince you, all right? And uh, I hope I win this one. I hope I finally win it out with you. So here's, the, here's reason number one to be in a small group. To help you reach your fullest potential. And I don't, I don't mean potential in some kind of a self-serving way where, where it's all about you being what you want to be and getting what you want to get. What I'm talking about is reaching the fullest potential of what God wants you to be as a person and what God wants to do through you into the lives of other people. It's for, it's for you to become everything that God created and redeemed you to be. See, the truth is, everybody, here's the truth. Put yourself in a small group setting and you're giving yourself the opportunity to have your life impacted for good and to impact the lives of others in a powerful way. Now, I just want to clear something up here right now with what, what I'm talking about with small groups this morning. I'm not talking about a small group where everybody just comes together with kind of a flippant, like, I don't really care that much, and I just want to socialize and just have fun kind of get together. I'm not talking about that kind of a small group. I'm talking about a small group 
of people who are very, very intentional about what they're doing. I'm talking about a small group of people where you come into that group and you're saying to everybody in that group, I want you to be a catalyst for spiritual growth in my life and I want to be a catalyst for spiritual growth in your life. In, in, in a certain sense, I'm saying think of yourself as an Olympic team training for the Olympics. Except what we're talking about is something far more important than the Olympics. We're talking about preparing ourselves to become more like Jesus Christ and to preparing ourselves, equipping ourselves to be able to serve in the mission that Jesus Christ has given us. And so I'm talking about getting into a small group and, and you yourself helping make that group that way, a group that's very intentional about what we're all about as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, there's several things I think of with this, all right? One of the things that I've found in life is that I can benefit a whole lot from other people's wisdom. One of the things I have realized in living my life is that I don't know everything. And I, so I would say to you, there is a whole lot more power in, in wisdom that, that is brought together, shared wisdom, than solitary wisdom. We all need the wisdom and perspective and experience of other people to speak into our own lives. That's a huge part of what we're talking about, why small groups are so important, why they can help you reach your fullest potential. The other thing is being challenged by other people makes all the difference. Ever notice that? How if you have somebody challenge you to do something, you rise to the challenge. Uh, Beck and I have always gotten a charge out of the, the difference in our two kids. Uh, Greg always loved uh, a briefcase idea. You know, someday going to put on a suit and, 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 and work in an office. Nikki, not so much. Very much the opposite. Nikki is totally into the outdoors. That's why she lives in Washington State, okay? She does the whole nine yards of, I mean, you, she does, you name it, she does it out, outside. So one of the things that we did when we were up, when we were up with Nikki is uh, uh, Nikki and I did a, a hike up a mountainside. Uh, a little bit better. It was almost like an hour and a half hike that we did. And she kind of forewarned me on it a little bit. And um, that, Dad, it's not going to be like uh, level, okay, ground. And, um, but she said, it's not going to be as bad as what I normally do, all right? And uh, so we started this thing, and I'm going, oh, boy. I mean, th this, this is not going to be. And Nikki is like in absolutely incredible shape. So she's like, <clears throat> she, she told me after, she said, Dad, I, I do a hike with, uh, with other people that is, you know, uh, uh, much steeper than this, but I carry like a 45, 50-pound uh, backpack besides, you know, when I'm doing it. I'm like, really? So my, my, my whole deal with that hike with her is I didn't want her to think I was doing as badly as I was really doing. You know, my head was spinning, my heart was just pumping like crazy, but I just, I just, I, you know, I timed myself with this thing, like, I'm going to get as far as I can get each time before I say I'm I need a rest, because I just, I, I did, I wanted, I wanted to rise to the challenge so Nikki wouldn't be able to, like, you know, like, give that look, you know, I kids, 
give you, no matter how old they are, okay? That, here, here's the other thing that is so good about small groups. There is a strength that comes into our life when we have a sense of belonging with other people. We, where we know that we're not doing life alone, that, that, you, that, that you've got a small team of people who are there for you, cheering you on in your life. Here's the other thing about small groups that are so important. This thing of accountability. It makes all the difference in the world to know that you're accountable to other people with your, with your own spiritual disciplines, with your time in God's word and your time in prayer, with lifestyle issues in your life where you set goals for your life. It makes all the difference to have accountability with other, with other people. And so my challenge to all of you this morning, if you're a part of a small group right now, every single week you go to that group, every single time, Go into it with the mindset that you're going to do your part to make it the best group you can possibly make it. Don't go into, into it thinking that it's all on the person leading the group. Your group will only be as good as you make it. Y'all hear me on that? Okay. The word is intentional. Be intentional. So let me bottom line it. Let me bottom line it. Show me a Christian, a follower of Christ, whatever their age, who you'd say from the outside looking in is doing really well in their, in, in their spiritual life. They, they have an unswerving faith. Yeah, a little to the left, a little to the right, but basically they're maturing, they're growing, they're consistent, they're breaking sinful habits in their life. They've changed what they, are va what they value so that their life lines up with Scripture. Show me somebody like this, and I'll say nine times out of ten, they're in meaningful relationship with other believers where they're saying, be a catalyst for spiritual growth in my life, and where they want to be a catalyst for spiritual growth in the life of somebody else. But find me someone who believes all the right stuff, but they struggle and they struggle and they struggle. They take wide swerves to the right and wide swerves to the left. They don't avoid temptation. They have all the same stuff that they brought into their life before Christ the same work ethic, the same parenting patterns, the same marriage patterns, the same sinful lifestyle and values. Find someone like this, and I'll guarantee you've got someone who's not connected in meaningful relationship with other believers where they're asking them to be a catalyst for spiritual growth in their life. Okay, I'm, I guarantee you that. Without question, there's power in the impact that you and I can have on, on each other in a close circle of friends doing life together. And tell you what, be a team like this, and I'll guarantee you, your life will go to a level that it could never go otherwise. And it starts at a young age. It starts, it starts at a really young age. And so, parents, I just want to challenge you this morning. Uh, do your very best to be here every Sunday, the same service, so that your children can be in the same small group with the same leader each week. If you do that, you're just going to maximize it for your kids. You know, I love, the, I love the thing that we heard so much in the news this last week about 
the three young Americans. Y'all hear about that? Um, they're, they're in their 20s, and they were, they were on a vacation in Europe. They had been friends since middle school. They all grew up in Sacramento, California, and they're traveling on a train from Amsterdam to Paris when, when they suddenly realized they got a guy that's, got, that's just getting up, getting ready to kill a bunch of people, a terrorist. And they helped stop an attack that it could really, literally could have turned into a, a bloodbath. You know, in fact, they, the French president, I gave them the highest honor because of what they did. But here was here was one of my favorite parts of this. They interviewed one of the guys, and uh, uh, his name was uh, is Anthony Sadler. It's this guy right here, and um, this is what he said. I remember that been friends since middle school. He said, I saw Spencer get up, and I saw Allie get up, and those are my close friends, and I couldn't let them go alone. I just love that. Close friends since middle school, doing together what none of them could have done alone. They, they reached their highest potential on that train that day, where they, where they literally saved who knows how many people from, from being killed that day. See, I think it's the same thing with small groups. Close friends in a small group. There's, a, there's an impact that we can have on each other so that we're able to become more of what God wants us to be than if we journeyed life alone. I'm convinced of that. And so, number one reason that I would love to talk you being into a small group, it's to help you reach your fullest potential. Okay, let me get a drink. <clears throat> Number two, to provide the support you need through hard times. Okay, to provide the support you need through hard times. Again, not only for yourself, but also for your kids. Because the fact is, challenges in life, hard times come at a very early age. Wouldn't you agree? You can remember that, can't you? It's when you were a kid, and you can remember it in the life of your child. Remember the first time your son or daughter came in crying into the house because they'd been bullied by somebody else? Anybody ever go through that? Well, if anyone's ever been in a small group... And if you've ever gone through a hard time, you understand the importance and truth of what Solomon wrote in the fourth chapter of an Old Testament book by the name of Ecclesiastes, where he made this statement. He said, two are better than one, because if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Let me ask you, have you ever seen anyone fall financially and they had no one to help them up? Have you ever known a couple who's falling in their, who fall in their marriage and they, 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 they have no one to help them up? Have you, ever, have you ever known a parent who's going through a very hard time with their child and they have no one and, and they're falling? I mean, they're just, they're falling apart because of it and they have no one to help, no one to help them up. Have you ever known anyone who's going through a serious physical illness and they have no one to come alongside them and help them up? Perhaps it's even better to ask this question. 
If something were to happen in your life that would cause you to fall, do you have someone who would help you up? Do you have more than one person who would help you up? Solomon takes this even further. He, he goes on and he said, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Tell you what, everybody, at some point in your life, because of something you didn't anticipate uh, in your life, you're gonna, you'll feel overwhelmed. And Solomon's saying that when this happens, and this kind of thing that just kind of comes around the corner and gets you, and you're feeling overwhelmed by it, he said, you're going to respond a whole lot better if you have somebody walking through those circumstances with you. And then he makes this statement at the very end. It's a famous statement. He said, a cord of three st strands is not quickly broken. That's what he's talking about. It's really this. I've, I've lived long enough, and I've been in ministry long enough to know that there's a lot of brokenhearted people. In fact, I was saying to somebody this week, you know what, it's possible for you to be sitting here on a Sunday morning and looking at somebody sitting next to you or in front of you or, or a couple, you know, sitting in front of you or next to you or, or a family to look at the, those people and think, wow, they've just got it all, you know. Man, they just look good. Every, man, they got those smiles on their faces. Um, they, they have no problems at all. And I got, I got to tell you, everybody, <laughs> that's not true. There is, there is so much brokenness in our world these days. There is so much that can break the heart of people. But you know what? I've never met anybody in authentic community whose broken heart resulted in them being broken down. I never have. And I can say something to you this morning that I could not have said with as much confidence as I have now before our son Greg died four years ago. In fact, this next week, uh, September 3rd, um, Becky and I are brokenhearted, and we will always be brokenhearted. That will never change for us. But because Becky and I have lived in community with other believers we're not broken. We're not broken down. All because there were people with us from our small group the day we found out Greg died. And there have been close friends supporting and caring for us every day since. In fact, you know what? This morning, a very close friend, somebody who's in a small group with me, sure enough, I got a text. Because he knows what's coming for me this week. Just simple little text saying, praying for you, Steve. And here's, here's what's key about this, everybody. They were already a part of our lives. So that they were there for us when we needed them the most. Do you understand what I was saying? They were already a part of our lives. 
And so what Becky and I experienced in that day four years ago and what we've been experiencing ever since, with all of my heart, I want every person in this church to experience. I want all of you to have a small group of friends who will come alongside you when you're facing those hard, hard times in your life. I'll never forget a number of years ago, um, Someone in our church involved in a very, very serious, life-threatening accident. And I, I found this out after, that when the, this person was asked if there was anybody that should be called, I was the only person, they said. And you might think, well, man, you must have felt really good about that, and, yeah, I'm glad that they felt like they could call me, but I felt also just very sad because I realized I was the only person in his life. I, I've got to say the most difficult calls we get as a church are when there's a tragedy in someone's marriage or there's a physical illness or a son or a daughter have, spins off into a prodigal world and we receive a call asking for help and the person Asking is reaching out to us because they have, they have no one in their life who they know cares for them. And don't misunderstand me. We, we absolutely welcome all of those calls, but we do know this. We know that what we can do is not nearly as good as what a small group of close friends can do. Do you understand what I'm saying? So two very good reasons to be in a small group. To help you reach your fullest potential and to provide the support you need through hard times. And here's the third reason. To have a safe place to be real. A safe place to be honest about your struggles and to speak truth into each other's lives. And I think this is needed whatever age you are. One of the things that gives me confidence in the Bible is the absolute transparency of those who wrote it. Not only about the people whose stories they told, but also about their own lives. And I think, I think the Apostle Paul is a great example of this. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, which is really a history of the early church, tells us about Paul, how intensely he hated anybody who followed Jesus Christ. In fact, so much so, he would imprison them. He would, he would even try to kill them if they, if they told anybody about the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he didn't believe it until he saw Jesus Christ himself alive. And, and then Paul became one of his most devoted followers. And, and Paul was really honest about the kind of man he had been. And so... He wrote about it, and in one of his letters, he, a very personal letter to a young man by the name of Timothy, Paul said this about himself. He, he, first of all, he said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus, a wonderful statement, powerful statement. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he said, of who I am, the worst. And I don't think Paul was just... You know, just saying that. Not at all. He was saying, he was, he was genuine about that. He was saying, I was. I was the worst of the worst. I think that's really commendable of Paul. Don't you to be that honest about himself? 
But I think what's equally impressive is his honesty about his ongoing struggle with sin in his life. Even after trusting Jesus Christ as his Savior. In fact, I, I want to tell you, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is the seventh chapter of the book of Romans. And you know why? Because of this statement that I could just so relate to. He said, Paul said, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. You see, he didn't do any image management. He's honest about himself, about the gap that I think we often see in our lives between what we know we should be and what we want to be and what we are sometimes. You see, we, he didn't pretend at all. He's completely honest about the gaps in his life. And when this becomes so real and so challenging, is when we actually name the sins that we're struggling with. You know, it's fairly easy for me to stand up here and say, I'm a sinner. I sin. But tell you my, tell you my name my sins, that, that's a whole other level, right? You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Now, I'm guessing quite a few of you were here about three years ago. When I uh, confessed to you, a, a struggle that just surfaced all of a sudden, like, where did that come from? Where going all the way back to my high school days, all of a sudden profanity came into my life. And I, something would just, I mean, in fact, remember one day driving to Fremont, and I missed a turn, and I was late for where I was going to go, and I just couldn't believe, you know, the words that came out of my mouth all of a sudden. And, and this didn't stop. So, like, two months later, it happened again, and enough, you know, several weeks later, it happened again, until finally I said, I, this, just, this is wrong. So I, I, I got a $100 bill. I don't know if you remember the story. I went into Jeff's office, and I said, Jeff, I told Jeff, this is what's going on right now. This is crazy. I can't be doing this. And so I said, Jeff, this $100, the next time I do it, it's going to be your money. And two weeks later, Jeff got $100 richer. Okay? All right. And it took me, I think it took me two or three hundred dollars before, you know, I, I got all of it. All right? Now, here's what's fun. So I told that story. A week later, I'm on the phone talking with a, a, a woman my, my age. Okay? Sophisticated, a mother, a grandmother mind you, a grandmother, very prim and proper. And she, you know what she told me? She said, Steve, I've got to tell you, you might find this surprising, but I have a huge struggle with profanity. I said, you're kidding me. Oh, and she said, I do. She's, she said, and it's not small stuff. It's not little words. You're talking the worst. And she said, I even use them when my at my grandchildren when I get upset at them. And I, I said, you're kidding me. I was like, you, 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 you know. <laughs> you know what? When we're open with our struggles, we give another person the courage to be open with theirs. But I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not going to do this every Sunday. I'm not going to go around and just tell everybody and anybody about the sin, sins in my life. No, I'm, I'm going to only do that, plus you wouldn't really care to know, right? Uh, 
right? Okay, uh, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to only do it with people that I know care for me. People that I can trust. And, in, and I don't think I'm wrong in saying that that kind of thing only happens in a small group setting. See, I, I, I don't want us just to be sitting in rows. I want us to be in a, in a circle of friends where, where you meet once a week or once every two weeks or, you know, where you have that kind of thing where you're deeply doing life together and you're accepting each other for who you are, who you are but you're also not saying, I'm just going to let you continue being that way. You pray for each other. You help each other become a better person. Okay? Now, um, isn't it true that there are some things in life that we can't see about ourselves? Anybody agree with me? That's why I think it's so valuable to have other people speak truth into us. I love what Paul said about this. Um, he said, instead, and what he means by instead he is what he wrote before, instead of just floundering all over the place spiritually, he said, instead of that, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. He said, if we speak truth into each other, we're going to increase the chances of us becoming like Christ. We all need that, don't we? We all need somebody to speak the truth into us. But I got, I got to tell you, everybody, I'll be honest with you, I just don't want just anybody to be speaking the truth. If you're a stranger, if I don't know you, if we don't have any relationship, it's going to be really hard for me to listen to you speaking truth into my life. But if you're a close friend, it's a lot easier. Okay? So, that's what we're talking about this morning. Three reasons, good reasons to be part of a small group, to help you reach your fullest potential, to provide the support you need through hard times, and to have a safe place to be real. Okay? Now, I'm convinced. All of us want to do better. All of us want to serve Christ if we're believers, if we're followers of Christ. And we do. We want to become more like him. No question about it. But you know what? Good intentions are not just enough. We've got to have a plan to make it happen. And I believe a key step in that plan is to become part of a small group. And so I'm hoping you'll do that this morning. If you're not part of a small group yet, uh, I hope you'll go for it. Take the opportunity that you got out in the courtyard. And uh, here we're going to watch this video, and it will show us what to do uh, here in the next few minutes, all right? Hey, Brookside, I'm Greg. And I'm Brittany. And we're here this morning to help you find a group that can allow you to grow healthy relationships and also allow you to grow spiritually. Our service is ending early today, so you can take advantage of having your children care for while you head out to the courtyard and then meet some leaders. It's your opportunity to make an initial eight-week commitment to your group. Here's what you'll find helpful. The brochure in your hand identifies the three types of groups that we offer, and you can find the one that you're looking for. There's married couples, there's men's, and there's women. Next, you'll probably want to look for group leaders that live in the same part of town as you, and also they're the same phase in life. Also consider the day and time of week. It's hard to show up if that day doesn't work well. Now you're ready to complete your information card. All you have to do is fill that out, and then as you go to the group leaders, just hand it to them, and then you'll be all set. Group leaders will be easily identified in the courtyard by their numbers or by their men's, women's, or married couples' banners. 
At this point, the hard part's done. In the next 48 hours, the group leader will contact you, and within two weeks, you'll actually be in the circle with your group. If you have any questions, stop at one of our solution centers by the green umbrella or ask a volunteer in blue and they'll be happy to answer any questions. We'll see you in the courtyard.